Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Two weeks ago on February 6th, TLDR posted episode number 45, titled Quiet Wadwa. It was a conversation about a man named Vivek Wadwa, but we didn't ask him for comment. That was wrong. The episode was later removed. Let's start from the beginning. At the end of last month, Newsweek ran a cover story titled What Silicon Valley Thinks of Women. It had a sort of controversial cover, a stylized drawing of a woman in a red dress with a cursor lifting up the hem of her skirt. Vivek Wadwa was among the people quoted in the article. He's known for speaking out on gender diversity. He's written for places like The Wall Street Journal, Forbes, TechCrunch, and The Washington Post. In an article where Kate Houston of The Daily Beast declared 2014 the year of the male ally, Wadwa was highlighted as a progressive figure, albeit one who was, quote, still early in his journey to becoming a real ally. A few days after the Newsweek article came out, Amelia Greenhall, the executive director of Double Union, a center for women in tech, wrote a blog post called, Quiet Ladies, Wadwa is Speaking. In it, Greenhall suggested starting the hashtag StopWadwa2015. It took off, igniting a discussion around Wadwa's role in the conversation about women in tech. TLDR episode 45 was my interview with Greenhall about her post. Over the next week, many people weighed in, both to condemn and support the podcast. On February 7th, Mr. Wadwa tweeted that it was, quote, libelous, slanderous, and filled with lies. Later, he tweeted that he couldn't believe an NPR station, quote, committed libel and knowingly published lies without verification. At this point, WNYC stepped in. Our VP of News, Jim Schachter, corresponded with Wadwa and then decided to take the podcast down. New text was posted on the show page, saying that the episode has been removed and will be replaced with a future story in which Vivek Wadwa will be given an opportunity to comment. Meanwhile, other outlets reported on the situation. Gizmodo ran a story called, Why Did WNYC Delete Its Podcast on the Male Expert on Women in Tech? And Gawker posted a piece called, Here's the segment WNYC pulled for being unfair to Vivek Wadwa. Both expert and unfair were in quotes. On Friday, February 13th, WNYC posted an addendum to the text on the page for episode 45, explaining that the piece had been removed because it, quote, failed a basic test of fairness, unquote, by not inviting Wadwa to comment. We are planning a follow-up that will address both the original issue and the ensuing conversation around the removal of the episode. We are keenly aware of the discussion out there and will release the new piece as soon as it is ready. Here is that follow-up. To kick it off, I asked OTM co-host and editor Brooke Gladstone to interview me about my part in the controversy. Brooke is editing this episode, which is very unusual for TLDR. In fact, it's unprecedented. (laughs) But I'm here, and so I need to begin with the obvious question. What the heck happened, Meredith? I know, I know. Why didn't you call the guy? I guess at the time, we just thought that this was an issue about women being drowned out, speaking in tech. To have the man who was theoretically drowning them out speak about it seemed counterproductive. So if you had it to do all over again, how would you have handled it? I would have asked him for comment from the very beginning. There were questions that I wish that I could have asked Vivek Wadwa under different circumstances. And what about fact-checking? Yeah, that would be part of it. We just didn't do a thorough job on this. Where was your editor in this? Uh, My editor was a... Wait, 
There she is. I see her through the glass. Come on in, Katya, OTM executive producer and editor of TLDR. So where were you? Right next to Meredith, <laughs> about a foot away from her. Um, same same kind of thinking that Meredith just, just described. Amelia Greenhall's post was speaking for a community. You know, we walked into the middle of a conversation. There's rancor and sort of a vigorous debate going on about where men stand in this debate. It's a horrible scenario out there in Silicon Valley. Women are treated horribly. This group of women Amelia represents felt very strongly about it. He's a public figure. Who speaks in favor of gender equality in tech, right? Yeah. And you know what? This is the problem. This is my problem as the editor. We should have contextualized it. It was just too unnuanced. And we should have called him. I saw a tweet in the middle of the week that said, what happened to these people? Were they producing in a bubble? And I think the answer, when I read that, made me realize, uh, yeah, producing in a bubble. Okay. I'm going to leave. Bye, Kat. (laughs) Bye, Kat. Thank you. Thank you. So fueling the controversy, the show was taken down. Were you in on that decision? No. That decision was made higher up. It's not the kind of thing that I would have wanted to happen. I don't think that you can remove something from the Internet. But that was the decision that was made. Okay. Meredith, thank you. Thank you. I'll take it from here. Now, Amelia Greenhall, my original interviewee, didn't want to talk any more about the situation. But to make sense of having Wadwa on, we need to rebroadcast some of her main points, starting with her characterization of Yvette Wadwa. So Yvette Wadwa is the guy who gets paid to talk about women in tech. Greenhall and I discussed his speaking engagements and articles for outlets like the Wall Street Journal, as well as the book about women in tech that he compiled called Innovating Women, The Changing Face of Technology. The Innovating Women book is another reason why he gets all these interviews to speak for women in tech. He puts his face on all these posters. So it says like Vivek Wadwa, Innovating Women, The Changing (laughs) Face of Technology. It's like it's his face speaking (laughs) for women. I asked Greenhall about a Twitter confrontation that Wadwa had had with a software engineer named Kelly Ellis. Ms. Ellis had tweeted questions and complaints about innovating women and then found herself receiving direct messages, or DMs, from Mr. Wadwa. To those of you who don't use Twitter, DMs are strictly one-to-one. It's really creepy when a man you don't know goes into your DMs. It's really kind of this non-consensual, like, let's go over here where people can't see you criticizing me and then maybe I can talk to you there, um... Wadwa has done this to several women. It really feels like the Twitter DM can be like the hand on the knee of like social communication. Yeah, it's like I don't follow that many men because like I'll see them through Twitter lists or other things. But if you are following, mutual following, then that like opens up that DM channel and then you just get a lot of like unwanted private messages. Since Greenhall bowed out of this follow-up piece, we asked one of the women mentioned in her blog post, Mary Trigiani, the founder of business consulting firm Spada Inc., to restate the case for those who find Wadwa's role in the discussion of women in tech and his approach to it problematic. What I have seen him do in marketing and corporate world, what we call framing, is he reframes the question as a personal attack toward him and uses words like stalking and harassing. He co-ops trigger language to intimidate a woman to quiet down. And this is a personal observation. Mm -hmm. He did that with me the other day. He's done it with several others. He diverts. Mm -hmm. He calls you someone who's questioning his integrity, someone who is victimizing him. 
that's his method of shutdown. And there are two problems with that. It's public and it's a way to make a woman feel bad in a very traditional way. That's why there are people calling him Dadwa. Finally, here's my interview with Vivek Wadwa. Ah, Mr. Wadwa, hello. Uh, Good morning. Welcome to TLDR. And I wanted to start by apologizing for not having you comment sooner. Is that the only apology I'm getting, Meredith? Or do you also uh, feel remorseful about the false allegations you made and how you disparaged me and how you laughed at me? I'd love to answer your question about the false allegations. Um, Would you like to be more specific? Uh, Meredith, uh, I wrote a very detailed piece for VentureBeat and for Huffington Post, which explained point by point why virtually everything that you said and that the other uh, person said was inaccurate. You made suggestions there which led people to believe I was involved with some financial improprieties, that I was a stalker, I was a harasser. And in fact, Gawker wrote an article basically suggesting that uh, there may have been issues with sexual harassment when the podcast was taken down. Did Gawker say that there were allegations of sexual harassment? Can you please read that to me? Can you read that to the the listeners? I'll pull it right up. They said you didn't specify any facts we'd gotten wrong, and then... They say the discussion could be read as accusing you of sexual harassment, but no one is making that accusation. That's what they said. I'd love to speak to you about my comment that a Twitter DM could be perceived as the hand on the knee of social media communication. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, Meredith. Uh, Before that uh, DM, there were uh, close to 20 tweets exchanged back and forth in which Kelly Ellis asked all sorts of uh, questions. I responded to them, and it was getting more and more aggressive. So, And who is Kelly Ellis? I don't know. In fact, this is the problem in social media, that you don't know who the people are that, uh, that you see, and you also don't know if they're an alias or if they're a real human being. Well, I believe she's a software developer, Mr. Wadwa. It says so on her Twitter bio. Uh, uh, Meredith, I did not know that, because on Twitter, you don't know who you're talking to, and all I knew was that I was being uh, asked all sorts of allegations about impropriety, where the money would be going, and I responded to them one after the other very politely, and then uh, this I didn't want to clog up my Twitter stream with a nonstop debate with someone who was so angry. So I said, look, I apologize. I'd love to discuss this more with you. Mr. Mr. Wadwa, you understand that Kelly Ellis... Meredith, why are you cutting me off? Please go ahead. I know you you have a bias over here. No, please please go ahead. I mean, you've already done this to me. Meredith, you have no idea how much damage you've done to my reputation over here. And now you're trying to cut me off and not even let me respond to I'm all of these to... allegations which have, which have hurt me and which have damaged my reputation. You know, Meredith, it takes years, it takes decades to build up reputation. I have been so squeaky clean. I've never done anything wrong in my life. I've never, ever been accused by a woman of harassing her sexually. Thanks to you, now people are, are attacking me nonstop on Twitter. They're sending me all sorts of horrible emails and messages. This is horrifying. Mr. Wadwa, I was really excited to talk to you today and have an actual discussion with you about your position as an ally for women. You're, again, you're doing it Go again. Go ahead. I, I've never represented that I'm an ally. I'm a researcher. I'm a professor. I have interviewed you know, and, and surveyed more than 1,000 women, and I have been talking about my research. I've been talking about my book, Innovating Women, which was crowd-created with the help of literally 500 women. This is their voice. These are women who are not on social media. These are women who, who are not like the ones that you're interviewing. These are women all 
all over the world who have done amazing things. I gave them a platform for them to express their opinion and for them to be inspired by others and to learn from others. And I have had literally hundreds of women thanking me over the last few months for doing it, saying it's life-changing for them because now they have role models. They have other women who are like them. See, they don't relate to the women that uh, uh, on social media, uh, these, uh, these activist uh, feminists, they don't relate to them. They're more humble. They're just in different parts of the world doing their own thing. Mr. Wadwa, so that our listeners will understand what you're talking about, we just need to put it into some kind of context. Please do. Please put it in context. That's correct. Kelly Ellis is the woman who we're talking about. She tweeted at you. She's a software engineer, according to her Twitter bio. Neither you nor I have spoken to her or know who she is. I mean, I have spoken to her. But have you verified verified that she's a software engineer? Let me back up. What did she say to you? She asked a series of questions about where the funds from innovating women were going. And I responded to her very politely. She asked why my name was was on the cover of the book. I basically responded that this is a decision that the publishers make. And then she asked a series of other questions. And then she followed me on Twitter. Now, when she followed me, I said, okay, uh, I might as well take this conversation offline and not clog up the Twitter sphere because it doesn't look good when you have, you know, dozens of messages back and forth with one person. I asked asked to encourage her to come and visit me at Stanford Law School where I hold regular office hours for students. I encouraged her to call me so we could discuss this because I wanted to have a civil, respectful conversation. Okay, and she said that that made her uncomfortable. What she started doing was that in the middle of the conversation on privately, first everything was okay, and then she started posting tweets you know, uh, publicly, where she cut and pasted p- parts of my conversation, and then she put other stuff. Then I said, Kelly, I'm really disappointed with you. Why are you now t- uh, taking uh, things out of context and posting them? That's when I encouraged her to post the entire conversation so everyone can form their own judgment over here because she was not acting in good faith. I've been criticized for not listening to women, and here I am trying to listen to a, a, a critic and say, please explain to me what I'm doing wrong. All I've tried to do in my, you know, for the last few years is to help the cause of women. I, I don't need this money, frankly. I'm not poor, okay? I've done very well in life. I had a heart attack when I was 45 years of age, and I realized that, you know, making money wasn't what life was all about, that, that it was time for me to start giving back to the world. If you read any of my work, any of my writing, do any research on me, you'll find that all I've been doing is, is helping other people, giving back to the world, trying to fight for causes which I believe are important, as is this, is this issue about diversity in Silicon Valley. I'm trying to help women over here. This is horrifying that you would, you, you would crucify me like this for just giving back to women. I don't need the money. The allegations that I've benefited from this, I've said this a hundred times. If you went to Indiegogo and did basic you know, fact-checking, you would find that it stated clearly that the money would be deposited into a, a fund to educate women. And I'm being attacked for this. How does this make sense? Kelly Ellis said that your interaction with her on Twitter made her uncomfortable, and you are saying that you don't find her assessment of that situation to be Something that we should talk about? Meredith, you're twisting my words. Listen, no, I'm, listen I'm, to what I just said. I'm sorry. I, I, I encourage your bosses to listen to what I just said and listen to how you twisted my words. This is on the record, okay? Mr. Wadwa. You twisted, my, you twisted my words. You maligned my words here even before the podcast is aired. Can we Mr. please Wadwa, get I'm not sure how I'm twisting your words. Let's have, let's have your producers analyze what I said and what you said and see what was true and false. I think we should move on to the next point of discussion. Yes. But keep my words in context and don't try to twist them and malign them as you just did. Mr. Wadwa, I would love to run this entire interview the entire way that it's gone so far. Is there something else specific that you want to talk about? Meredith, that you broadcast a series of lies. I I hate to use that word. 
look, other people can I can take my Venture Beat or Huffington Post article and they can compare it to uh, what was broadcast on your radio station and form their own judgment. I don't need to defend myself. It's The facts speak for themselves. Okay. Mr. Wadwa, will you allow a back and forth on this? I, I haven't really said much in response yet to you, and I'm hoping that we can have an actual back and forth. Absolutely. The sexual predator allegations? I'd love to explain my position, which is that the metaphor, a hand on the knee, was pretty specifically calibrated in terms of being something that's creepy and unwelcome, but not actually sexual harassment. There needs to be a way for women to talk about behavior that makes them uncomfortable, that's metaphoric in this new landscape of things like Twitter, that doesn't necessarily immediately assume that the person is a... To conflate hand on the knee with sexual predator or sexual abuse, I feel like that's a really big jump. And Gawker made that clear as well. Yes, you're right that we need to be able to discuss these issues, but look at what happened here. Because of your words, on Twitter, I have had hundreds of people attack me for being a sexual predator, for harassing women. It's like, ooh, so creepy. He invites women to his office. He uses social media for this. I'm not sure how I can be held responsible for comments on Twitter any more than you can be held responsible for comments on the other side. I did choose my words very carefully. You stand by your words? Am I here? Is that what I'm hearing? I stand by stand the, the sentence, Twitter DMs can be the hand on the knee of social media. Oh, my God. So you, you, so you stand by what's discussed on that podcast? Wow. That, that blows my mind. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. No, please. Have your mind blown. You were saying earlier, you said a lot about all the work that you've done. For women and for other people, I want to know how you consider that different from being an ally. Ally is a word that you're using on social media. It's a slang word. My slang is not good. You had also thrashed me for not understanding what the word floozy meant. I'm sorry, I'm a foreigner, uh, Meredith. I was born abroad. When people are born abroad, then they don't learn slang in their youth over here. They don't understand these things. You know, It's the same thing with ally. I am not anyone's ally. I don't speak for groups. I am an objective researcher. So don't try, please try to throw more slang at me and confuse me even further because I will make errors again. Would you like to talk more about the allegations of financial impropriety that you said that we lobbed at you? Yes, please, because the whole allegation was that I'm making money on uh, talking about diversity. I have said repeatedly that I do not make money on it. You know, on Innovating Women, Kaufman Foundation had given me a small grant, which wasn't sufficient for this. So I invested about $40,000 of my own savings into this research all of the funds from this, every single penny that we raise will go to educating women on advancing technologies. I've been as clear about that as could be, that I am not making a cent from this. I, when I give talks about diversity, I do not collect any speaking fees. Yes, I make a lot of money when I talk about advancing mm-hmm. technologies and, and, and I'm in high demand when it comes to talking about industry disruption. I can make a lot of money on that, but I have been forsaking opportunities to make money just so I can be helpful on the issue of diversity. So I have invested my own time, money, my own credibility, my own resources. You know, I'm a heart patient. Uh, the reason why I became an academic was because I had a massive heart attack at the age of 45. I'm 57 now. And basically, taking all of this abuse on social media has been causing me even more stress and, and has been hurting my health for a cause I sincerely, deeply believe in. Mr. Rodwell, I'm genuinely sorry that your health is not doing well. And frankly, you have made it worse because of the stress it caused. Never before in my life have I been called a sexual harasser, a sexual predator. Never before has anyone ever lobbed such an allegation as me as is being lobbed because of your podcast. Mr. Wadwa, 
women deal with all sorts of threats, sexual harassment threats, rape threats constantly. I didn't accuse you of being a sexual harasser. Meredith, I know that the, that uh, that women there uh, women undergo a lot. I know that they suffer abuse, but people who heard your podcast started attacking me and accusing me of sexual harassment, of being creepy, and be, you know being disgusting. This is what happened after your podcast was aired. That's how people heard your words. Would you like to make any kind of comment to the women who feel that you're too present in this situation and that you're crowding out other voices? Meredith, you know, uh, I do um, interviews with journalists about four or five times a week. I appear in articles about once every two weeks on the subject. The reason is because I tell journalists that I don't want to be quoted. I would be glad to help them with the story. I'd be glad to talk on background, and I don't need to be in it. Sometimes the journalists come back to me saying, Vivek, we need a, a male voice that you're a credible authority on this because you're a professor, you're a researcher. We need to have a male voice in our uh, story as, as well as all the female voices we have. I w- I, my guess is that I've only appeared in about 10 to 20% of the interviews I've done because I have asked the journalists not to include me, to instead include women. Do you have anything to say to the women who feel that you've crowded them out? All I can say is that they, they don't understand how journalism works, that I have given women a platform. I have not crowded them out. You know, you know something that you're listening to one set of women. I have had 10 times as many more people thanking me, congratulating me, encouraging me to keep, keep doing what I'm doing for women and not to be listened to the voices of the people who you're amplifying. I've, I've had so much support from all over the world for the work I'm doing. So, yes, I understand that some women are angry at me and they do that bit, but they're misinformed. They don't really understand how journalism works. Okay, Mr. Wadwa, I'd like to circle back to one thing. You said that we lobbed in a suggestion of financial impropriety at you. Would you say it's financial impropriety that we accused you of or just that you had been paid? You accused me of profiting from this. When I had made it clear over and over and over again that I am not profiting, that I have invested significant amount of my personal savings in my diversity research. In fact, to the contrary, I've advised the CEOs of several you know, billion-dollar companies on diversity. In every case, I have said, I want you to contribute to Women 2.0, National Coalition, uh, Center for Women in Information Technology, Nita Borg Institute, or Black Girls at Co. Those are my four favorite women's groups. In every case, I have, I've asked them to make donations to those groups instead of my taking a cent from them. I have not taken a penny from any company to advising them on diversity. It's actually costing you money to speak about women. Uh, Meredith, I have invested my own money. I've invested my own time. I've invested my own reputation. I've invested myself in this cause that I deeply care about. I'm sorry for getting that wrong. Thank you, Mr. Wadwa. Thank you, Meredith. I jumped into this fray without considering every aspect, thinking that we could do a simple story on an incredibly emotional and complicated topic. And I did it without the distance or the nuance that I want to characterize TLDR. I wish that I had asked Vivek Wadwa for comment, not because I think his voice needs to be added to every conversation about women in tech, but because I wish this piece had been unassailable. I wish I could have asked him if he truly thought there was no merit to the complaints of his detractors before I became one of them. TLDR was hosted by me, Meredith Haggerty, and produced by Ethan Cheel. Our executive producer is Kat Rogers. Jen Munson is our engineer. 
This episode was edited by Brooke Gladstone. Breakmaster Cylinder wrote our theme. TLDR is a production of WNYC Radio. Thank you so much for listening this week. See you next week.